Parisi, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, you can visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Brian McKenna, president of the Iowa Heartlanders. An experienced executive, Brian has spent time at the NHL level while also holding major roles in the minor leagues, including a stint as commissioner of the ECHL. With attention to detail and drive, he has seen success at every stop, and I'm excited to share his story with listeners today. With that, here's Brian McKenna, president of the Iowa Heartlanders. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how Payday can come every day by entering their contests for huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. You draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means much more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports, and DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports so there's no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app today and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Brian McKenna, president with the Iowa Heartlanders. Brian, thanks for joining the podcast. My pleasure. Great to be here. Yeah, it's really great to have you on. And, uh, you know, you have quite the background with uh, different hockey operations uh, opportunities, as well as some league level um, positions, which is always interesting to bring on the podcast. So let's dive right into it and learn a little bit about you first and foremost. Maybe talk about your upbringing, playing sports in your early years, and just more information for guests to kind of get to know a little bit more about you. Well, I uh, grew up in uh, Canada, in New Brunswick, born in Prince Edward Island, but grew up in uh, Fredericton. And uh, that's where I really, you know, started to play sports, baseball, hockey, um, developed a love for, uh, I think, both games at that point, And never envisioned at that time that a career in sports would be something that was possible. Uh, at that point, you know, my view, and I think probably most people, is that you're either a player, perhaps a coach. Uh, but in terms of uh, a front office position, an administrative position, a league position, that's not something that I really ever contemplated. So uh, was involved in uh, sports, I guess, my whole life. After graduating from college with a, a business degree, uh, was still involved on a volunteer basis with hockey, either coaching or scouting, and then uh, have been transferred to Ottawa uh, in 1989, I guess, uh, at that point with uh, the company I was working for. And um, that's, you know, at that point, again, was still volunteering, uh, coaching. But uh, when the Ottawa Senators came to town uh, and they were looking to hire people for the front office, I was uh, fortunate enough to be basically in the right place at the right time. Had a little bit of business background, a little bit of hockey background, got my foot in the door. And, uh, you know, here we are, you know, 30 years later. So, uh, that was the, uh, the beginning and a little bit of uh, being in the right place at the right time. But uh, uh, sometimes in life, that's what you need. 
Definitely, definitely. Right place, right time. And, um, you know, half the battles putting yourself in that situation. But let's let's move right into that position with Ottawa. Uh, you know, it's it's very early on in your career, but you're kind of your entry to uh, the full time hockey operations and you worked as our director of hockey operations. So maybe just talk about uh, that position and then also the learning curve kind of jumping in headfirst uh, to the, uh, the NHL level. Well, it, it was a learning curve. I think uh, many uh, folks in the organization uh, were like myself. We were young. We were. This was our first experience in professional hockey, uh, but had a very good uh, group of people there. I think a lot of folks that went on to, to very good careers uh, elsewhere. And I think of, uh, of guys like uh, uh, Ray Sherrill uh, was there at that time. Rick Bonus was, a, you know, certainly our head coach at that time. Alain Vigneault was one of the assistants. And... and um, uh, Jim Nil uh, also worked there with us as well. So a lot of folks that went on had great careers. So we learned uh, as we uh, as we went. It was a great experience for me being involved in Ottawa, but also uh, having responsibility for the American Hockey League team, uh, first in New Haven and then in Prince Edward Island, uh, and uh, got involved in the American Hockey League and have made some friends that uh, you know have uh, uh, stayed with me for you know 25 years. Appreciate the. The, uh, the help and assistance there with Dave Andrews as well, who was also involved had, at that time, had basically just taken over as president of the league and uh, uh, developed a relationship with him. And uh, certainly that he was instrumental uh, when I moved to, uh, to Carolina to take over the American Hockey League team down there, which was the affiliate of the Florida Panthers. Yeah. And again, another great position that you're able to kind of transition to. And uh, just to touch back then on that position, Ottawa, you know, a number of names, um, a few of them, which I have gotten the chance to know as well, but all great hockey minds who have gone on to be very successful uh, with different teams. But, you know, through some connections and through your own experiences, you then made your way to Carolina with the Monarchs. Um, Again, maybe talk about uh, working at that level this time around and the responsibilities in your role with that team. Well, I, there I was uh, basically running the business side of the operation. Uh, Florida still had at that time uh, control of the, uh, the player uh, and player development and uh, hockey side of the business. Um, and it was a real eye opener, I guess, uh, coming from Canada and running a hockey team in North Carolina uh, in terms of um, the, uh, the knowledge of the fans, uh, the introduction of the game. It had been around in that area for a few decades, but uh, still most hockey fans were, were not avid fans. They were there. They enjoyed uh, the uh, rough and tumble style of the game. Uh, we had uh, good attendance in, uh, in North Carolina, then got displaced in Greensboro whenever the Hartford Whalers moved, played two years in Greensboro before finally settling in Raleigh. But uh, a fun experience. Uh, we had to try a lot of different things and uh, kind of, uh, I guess, uh, some... Uh, uh, out-of-the-box ideas to draw fans, get them into the building, but uh, that was uh, was all part of it. Uh, had the uh, great fortune there, too, of uh, being able to uh, work with the Panthers. Um, at that time, Bill Torrey was the president. Terrific man and someone that had done so much for so many people, uh, given opportunities uh, uh, throughout their, their his career to uh, many others, and uh, certainly appreciate that. And then Brian Murray, who was the uh, uh, general manager at that time was uh, in Florida. It was also great to deal with uh, as well, and it's a, a pleasure to get to, to to know him during my time there. Yeah, again, just tremendous people, and uh, you know, two outstanding individuals there that you were able to interact with, and many people will know their names 
uh, again, very, uh, you know, very experienced individuals. And uh, so with that, following your time uh, with the Monarchs, again, you, you kind of continued on this uh, path, uh, becoming president and general manager, this time in Trenton with another team. So um, maybe talk about that position and then how it differed from your previous roles at the AHL and AHL levels. Well, it was a unique experience. I hadn't considered ECHL uh, prior to that. But after uh, the uh, American Hockey League team was displaced in Greensboro, this opportunity came up in uh, Trenton where they were building a new arena. Uh, it was uh, a construction had just begun. So I actually got there about 15 months before we dropped the puck, had the opportunity to put together the entire business staff, the hockey staff, see uh, the uh, completion of the uh, construction of the arena. And it was a terrific experience being involved in all aspects uh, of the business uh, as the, uh, you know, executive vice president and general manager there. Uh, it was very rewarding because um, you started from scratch, brand new facility, uh, um, an entirely new team, both hockey and front office. And we came out of the blocks. We had great attendance uh, the first couple of years, about 7,000 per game and a you know, uh, uh, an arena that, that that held just a little bit more than that and went to the conference finals our first year and went to the league finals our second year. So we had success on the ice, great fan support. And uh, again, very rewarding time, probably the most fun I've had in the game uh, in terms of uh, just uh, seeing a whole program come together. Always, uh, you know, exciting when you can have your hands uh, really in all areas of the operation and uh, you know, having that amount of time to to kind of take your time in the process and develop both sides and even oversee the arena. I mean, it all, uh, you know, it all makes a difference at the end of the day. And then once you see success, uh, you know, the plan that going according to plan, uh, that's always positive as well. And you, you kind of said that you hadn't considered uh, the ECHL at that time. And, and some people maybe don't give the level of credit it sometimes uh, deserves. But of course, you enjoy that level and then would go on uh, holding the role of commissioner of the league for 16 seasons. Uh, kind of walk us through the process of how you kind of found yourself in that position and then what did it entail and how did it change over time? Well, um, being in Trenton and the league office uh, was and still is uh, in New Jersey, so we were close by and uh, got to know the, uh, the, the commissioner at that time, Rick Adams, so I had a little bit of a feel for what that job entailed. And after having spent, uh, I guess, four years with, uh, with Trenton, uh, was looking for a different challenge uh, and uh, decided when the league uh, uh, opportunity came up to throw my name in the hat and was fortunate enough to be chosen by the Board of Governors to take the job. But it's a completely different dynamic than being at the team level. At the team level, um, it's much more of a... a an ability to measure your success or failure for that matter on a day-by-day -day basis. You know, did you win the game last night? How many people were in the building? Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, very easy uh, to, to measure yourself on a, a real-time basis. At the league level, it's more of a year-to-year a -year basis. Like, is the product in the ice better than it was a year ago? Uh, are the overall trends in terms of the business, uh, the ticket sales, the exposure, the, the uh, sponsorship levels going up year over year? Uh, those sorts of things. So really, uh, it's it's a much different uh, approach at the league level as well. You don't have a team to cheer for uh, and uh, you don't uh, really pay attention uh, to uh, the wins and losses, which for the first two or three years, I got to admit, was uh, was kind of neat. Uh, 
having been at the team level where you really do care, you know, day by day, uh, how the team is doing, it, it was nice to step back from that uh, for a while. Uh, after a while, though, I think the competitive spirit um, uh, kind of uh, uh, jumps back in and you would like, uh, in some instances, to be involved on a, on a game by game basis. But anyway, completely different uh, dynamic. Uh, we set a goal for the league in terms of developing into a league that uh, focused on player development, moving players, coaches, front office people up through the system. And uh, I think largely we've been successful in doing that. Again, one of the things that I was most proud of during my time at the league was all the folks that worked there that got the opportunity to, uh, to move up. And, and going back to Trenton, the first coach we hired there was Bruce Cassidy. And to be able to follow his career and see the success that he's had uh, is, uh, is rewarding. Um, the number of players uh, during my time at the league that moved on to the NHL, coaches, uh, as I mentioned, and then just the league staff, you know, Glenn Thornborough, who is with us, is now the, uh, uh, the, the uh, chief uh, revenue officer for the Bruins and the TD Gardens. Uh, Scott Sabatino, who is with us uh, at the league, is now the CFO of the San Francisco 49ers. Um, uh, Rod Pasma, who is our director of hockey operations, is now, you know, one of the key guys in the war room in Toronto at the NHL office. So, you know, case after case after case that folks uh, that we, you know, gave an opportunity to uh, were, were extremely competent people and, uh, you know, have uh, uh, gone on to, uh, you know, terrific careers in, in various areas of the business. So to me, that was very rewarding, uh, not just to see it from the team level, but also the league level as well. For sure. And I think a lot of people look at these development leagues, you know, the ECHL being a, a great example as as player focused. And at the end of the day, they are. But there are so many opportunities for staff and, and league staff to have that development as well and gain more responsibility as they move up. And, uh, you know, you, you talk about uh, when you're talking about that position, how the competitive spirit eventually would kind of seep through and, and you'd be looking for an opportunity. And uh, sure enough, this season, the ECHL is, is uh, you know, going through some expansion and the Iowa Heartlanders come calling. And sure enough, you are able to jump into the president role. Um, maybe just talk about the process of joining the team and maybe what you're looking forward to uh, as you get closer to uh, kicking the first year off. Well, just, uh, yeah, I, after leaving the league, I uh, took a little while off. And then uh, from there, I actually did a stint for a season uh, working based in, in uh, uh, the U.S., but uh, uh, working with the ORG group in terms of their hockey teams in Beijing that were playing in the, in the Russian league, both in the junior and the uh, uh, VHL, which is like the, uh, I guess, uh, minor league for the uh, for the KHL over there, and I really enjoyed that. So we put together a coaching staff of uh, uh, basically people from all over the world, um, and uh, because uh, you got Russian, you had Chinese, and you had North American players on the team, so you have to have you have to be able to communicate or have people on your staff that can communicate in all three languages to make it work. So that was sort of rewarding. Got cut short, obviously, due to the pandemic, and. Uh, when that ended, uh, again, was uh, biding my time. And uh, I had made a trip out to um, Coralville uh, here uh, while I was commissioner of the league, was impressed with the vision that they had for the arena and the entire development here. They call it Iowa River Landing, about 200 acres and uh, hotels, convention center, uh, uh, retail, condos, apartments, uh, plans for an amphitheater here just a couple hundred yards uh, down the the street from the uh, arena as well, and was impressed with that. At, at the time I visited, it was uh, a plan. 
uh, and uh, construction had started uh, on the site for the arena, but uh, uh, was impressed with the people, the vision they had, and uh, uh, just a positive response in the community. So fast forward three years, uh, Dean McDonald and uh, Deacon um, uh, Sports and Entertainment had decided to buy an ECHL team. Uh, move it in here. Uh, Glenn and Dean, then Glenn Stanford, uh, uh, gave me a call. I chatted with him and uh, Dean uh, offered me the position and I thought that it would be fun to jump back in and be involved in another startup and uh, see what we could do here to, to, to bring the excitement of ECHL hockey to Iowa. Yeah, a, a great um, endeavor and, uh, you know, two people I'm very familiar with and, and Dean and Glenn, but you know, it's always exciting, again, when you can get into a new program and, and have the opportunity to kind of help build it up from the ground up. And it seems like you're able to do that here. And um, a lot of people maybe uh, don't have the opportunity to go into that kind of position, having your hands on a, you know, a brand new program and, and overseeing everything. So, uh, you know, while this offseason might be a little bit different, kind of coming out of COVID and still dealing with that to an extent, uh, just walk us through a day in your position and uh, maybe just more insight on the past few months and the, the tasks that have been associated with starting this team. Well, um, largely, since I've been here now for three months, I uh, started in uh, uh, in April, uh, most of the focus has been on hiring, uh, getting you know the right people in uh, the right positions within the organization to be able to allow us to succeed in the long term. So things will change over time. Uh, originally here the first few months, uh, in addition to everything else from, uh, you know, budgeting and trying to, to, to uh, get the, the team name logo un, uh, unveiled and uh, out into the community. Um, trying to get the staff in place, trying to get an office open and trying to do just a lot of the basic uh, groundwork uh, has, uh, has, has been the main task to date. But hiring is the key and it's been, uh, it's been very uh, competitive in the marketplace. If we'd been here a few months uh, earlier, I think there would have been more uh, folks available. But what we're finding now is just there's so much competition out there as the major leagues and all the sports um, uh, open up again and folks that were on furlough go back and then uh, other people uh, in minor league uh, sports, major league sports, uh, as jobs open up, uh, are looking at various opportunities. So it's been a competitive environment to, to try to hire. So it's gone a little slower there than we would have hoped, but we've got some great people on board here now. And that will continue over the uh, next uh, uh, few weeks as we round out our staff going into August and get prepared for the season. As, as we do that, then and more of the uh, uh, game day uh, planning will occur in terms of uh, uh, the promotions, the ticket packages, uh, the, the group outings, all of those sort of things that we want to uh, be involved with. And then as we get coach and players in town, uh, start to think a little bit more about being involved in the community and how we get our players out there, our coaches out there, be involved with uh, youth sports, schools, charitable organizations, uh, and uh, basically uh, work to provide a great product on the ice and some great entertainment for our fans, but also to try to be part of the fabric of the community here in Coralville and Iowa City area. Yeah, it's always a, a key focus, definitely getting involved in the community. And like you said, uh, that kind of ramps up once you have your players and, and staff in place. But uh, a great point, just saying how important it is to hire the right staff. And uh, sometimes it is a bit of a process, definitely, and kind of going through that hiring process and looking for the right candidates, especially when, as you also mentioned, coming out of a pandemic, there's a few more opportunities. Uh, some people who are available are now kind of looking at different directions. 
Um, but you know, that's all part of the process and, and having worked in management uh, for programs in the past, you've definitely uh, seen that go through a number of different cycles and um, with the game continually evolving, how, how do you think personally your approach to management has changed and um, have you kind of changed things up even with just this team here in Iowa? Yeah, I, I think it certainly has. Um, I think there's a lot more young people coming into the game now that have come through sports management programs and probably a more well-rounded uh, appreciation of what, what goes into running a team uh, from the front office point of view, the business point of view, which is good um, uh, for us. And uh, uh, the way we approach that, the way we deal with people, I think the way we do evaluations, reviews, uh, that sort of thing has changed over the years as well and will continue to evolve. And also just the way we market the game now is much different. Uh, the um, traditional modes of advertising, you know, radio, TV, uh, and, and, and uh, uh, traditional newsprint, that has changed dramatically um, in the last 20 years and particularly the last five years. And it's a great example here in Iowa City. A lot of the traditional media comes from surrounding markets, places like Rapid uh, or Cedar Rapids, Dubuque, uh, Waterloo. Uh, and uh, to make a real difference here in the local market, we're going to have to depend a lot on digital media, um, social media to get the word out in terms of our team, what we're doing, uh, how we're involved, what are the upcoming events, what are the upcoming games, why should people come to our games, and try to make sure that we have uh, fans engaged from that particular point of view. So that has changed. We need to bring on people that are uh, up to date, well informed and experienced in that area of the business in, in order to be able to uh, be relevant here in the current market. So it's a challenge, but it's different uh, and, and it will continue to evolve. But uh, I think to, to a large degree, that's what makes it fun and uh, uh, keeps you uh, uh, keeps us all interested, I think, in terms of uh, how we uh, study and approach what other teams are doing, what other leagues are doing, and how we can apply it here in our own market. Yeah, so much to learn just from, you know, everybody's always coming up with new ideas. And, and as we've said here a couple of times, the, the dynamic in the market is changing as well. And um, when, anytime you go into a, a place where um, a team wasn't present before, you're trying to change the fan base. Of course, Iowa, um, you know, having teams nearby, um, it, it still helps a little bit, but definitely some challenges as well. Um, you know, working in the ECHL level, uh, the AHL and the NHL before, uh, you've had management at all three levels. Um, do you find one is harder than the other in, in terms of uh, the tasks itself? Or um, does a role change maybe at the ECHL level where uh, the parent club might have some control? Just what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, uh, good question. I, I think at the NHL level, obviously, things are much more specialized. So you're, you're focused on one particular area. Um, so it may be less busy in terms of the number of different tasks or directions that you pull. I think at the minor league level, it's, uh, it's been said many times that uh, with smaller staffs, you, you, you tend to uh, uh, interact uh, a lot more with others in the organization. There's a lot of overlap and uh, you wear many different hats. Um, at the NHL level, it is more specialized. I think from a point of view of wins and losses at the major league level, there's much more day-to-day -day pressure from that particular point of view. And um, um, I can tell you certainly on the hockey operations side of it, that is the case because uh, every day, um, depending on the media market, and you see it there in Canada, I think a lot in, uh, 
in Montreal, Toronto in particular, where every single detail of the hockey operation is under the microscope every day. So a tremendous amount of pressure there to perform and to win. At the minor league level, I think it's, uh, there's less of that specialization within the organization. At the AHL level, certainly uh, the NHL team basically uh, oversees your entire hockey operation. So all you need to do really is focus on the business side. And many of the American League teams are now owned by the NHL team, so they have access to a lot of those resources uh, to be able to, uh, uh, to apply in their own market. And even the ones that are uh, independently owned, uh, whether it's at the American League level or ECHL level, um, uh, again, um, less focus on winning and uh, the importance of wins and losses. Your team has to be competitive, don't get me wrong. And, and certainly some organizations uh, put a lot of pressure on themselves to, to uh, continually uh, perform well and win. But I think at the minor league level, it's much more um, important in terms of just the entertainment level uh, that you're bringing uh, on a night-to-night -night basis. So um, what you're doing in and around the games, the promotions uh, are very important. It's basically family entertainment and a, a smaller percentage of the crowd is there on a night-to-night -night basis strictly to see the hockey game or strictly to see whether your team wins or loses. More people are there just in terms of uh, an opportunity to get out and have a fun and entertaining evening, uh, maybe have uh, a couple of drinks, be with their friends, and uh, uh, leave with a smile on their face whether the team wins or loses. And certainly at the NHL level, it's not like that. I mean, uh, wins and losses are incredibly important. And uh, I don't want to say that they're not at the minor league level, but I, I, I think there is certainly a a difference between the emphasis on that at uh, the NHL uh, versus the minor league level. Yeah, uh, I think that's a great point to make. Definitely at the NHL level, um, stakes maybe a little bit higher. While you said the ECHL level and AHL level, there's still that um, desire to win, and, and that's still your goal at the end of the day. But um, you know, just a little bit of a different situation. And and then moving into some more reflective questions here, um, some that we generally go on the podcast. Uh, one question I kind of wanted to ask just with your uh, number of stops that you've had in your career, is there one favorite memory that you have in the game, whether it's a specific win, a championship, a conversation that you've had, um, just a moment that you kind of reflect on when you think of some of your favorite moments in the game? Well, I guess two or three. Yeah, If I go back to Ottawa, um, been there for, I guess, the best part of two years before we finally dropped the puck and, and uh, played and we're, you know, focused on, the business side first and paying the franchise fee and, and uh, you know, selling all the tickets and sponsorships. And then we finally get to opening night. And I mean, it was electric in the building, the old civic center there and their civic auditorium in, in uh, Ottawa. But we beat Montreal Canadiens that night on our opening night. Now, I don't think we won another game for about a month, but we won on opening night. It was electric in the uh, in the building And Montreal, by the way, went on to win the Stanley Cup that year. So we beat them on opening night. They uh, they ended up uh, going uh, all the way and winning the cup. But that was kind of a special night. Uh, and I think, um, uh, I, I guess, going with John Ferguson to the Senators' first game at the Montreal Forum and sitting with John in the crowd, uh, being he treated me very well and gave me an opportunity, uh, along with Randy Sexton and the folks in Ottawa, which uh, I appreciated. But being there and sitting with him in the Forum, uh, where he had won, 
five Stanley Cups, I think, during his eight years there and seeing the uh, the attention that was paid to him and just being able to, to see that up, up close was kind of neat. As I moved, I think, to the ECHL, the first couple of years in Trenton, as I mentioned before, where we, uh, uh, again, the uh, terrific fan support and uh, going to the conference final and then going to the league final in our first two years and, uh, you know, seeing uh, all parts of the organization uh, work and be successful was uh, was also very rewarding for me as well. Yeah, three great memories there and uh, definitely a first game always being exciting and then being able to take in any game at the Montreal Forum, I think, uh, will leave an impression. But, you know, having the, uh, the the company that you did is always great. And then the ECHL having that success early on, it kind of brings a full circle. And um, then with our final questions here on the podcast, kind of looking at some things for listeners, um, a lot of things, times we like to share different resources, things that we learn from, because a lot of these people listening uh, maybe don't have the firsthand experience and are kind of looking to gain that advantage before diving head in. So for you personally, are there any books, articles, um, courses, anything along those lines that you look to for new ideas that you would share with listeners? I, th- I think most of my reading is is, is uh, based on articles, uh, specific things that perhaps are happening uh, either uh, uh, in leagues, uh, teams, uh, and I pay a lot of attention to that, try to stay up to speed as much as I can there and try to read and, and, and uh, study things just outside of hockey as well. Uh, it's fascinating to see what's happened with esports and, and uh, all that end of the business here now, how it evolved um, and, and uh, where it's going. And the ideas perhaps that, that uh, have come from that that we can apply in our own business. Uh, I think it's interesting to see what's going on worldwide right now in soccer, um, uh, Premier League, uh, those sorts of things as well, just in terms of how they market that product and, and uh, what could be applied here. But then also, I think if you, if you do focus on, uh, on hockey in North America, there's some teams um, in, in, the, in the NHL that do a terrific job in terms of uh, just uh, entertaining their fans, uh, communicating with their fans. And anytime I can get my hands on uh, information or talk to folks in the business in terms of what they uh, have done and uh, uh, how they're uh, uh, how they're communicating now. I always try to do that. So it, it, it's less about books and more about just uh, uh, up-to-date articles, podcasts, uh, uh, broadcasts, uh, and and uh, online information that uh, I can read to uh, to hopefully uh, keep things relevant here. Yeah, and and as you touched on there, just learning from different sports is always uh, interesting, or even just entertainment, because at the end of the day, a lot of it is transferable and. Um, sometimes trends, if they're a little bit late getting to hockey, you can find them in other sports. So great advice and, and something I suggest others look into as well. Uh, you talked about the conversations that you like to have and, and you prefer doing that when possible. Um, just looking at everybody that you've interacted with in your career, who are some of the key mentors who kind of helped you uh, maybe early on in your career, but even today? And uh, just touch on some of the things that they taught you over time. Well, I, I guess I mentioned, you know, John Ferguson uh, back in Ottawa, who, again, man, a few words, but uh, certainly uh, treated me very well and gave me an opportunity. Randy Sexton and Jimmy Steele were the guys that hired me there in Ottawa. And I certainly will you know, always uh, appreciate that, be indebted to them. But uh, Jim Nill, another guy uh, I worked with briefly in, in, in Ottawa, who's just a, a terrific uh, uh, individual and, and uh I certainly appreciated that time. I mentioned Dave Andrews as well uh, and um, relationship I have with him over the years and uh, continue to, to, to stay in touch there uh, also. And um, 
um, uh, even, I guess, being at the ECHL level, a lot of the folks I work with uh, there, uh, the three chairmen uh, during my time, uh, Craig Brush in Florida, who's still running the team down there, uh, Steve Chapman, who's now, who was in, in uh, Gwinnett or Atlanta and now is uh, with St. Louis Blues organization, and Ray Harris uh, in Cincinnati. Again, uh, guys that uh, I leaned on and, and shared a lot of ideas, bounced a lot of things off, again, while we're in the process of trying to uh, um, uh, make decisions on a league-wide basis, and uh, certainly appreciate the uh, the, uh, the input that uh, you know they gave me over the years as well, and uh, the support they gave me while I was uh, in the uh, uh, the commissioner's role as well, which uh, it sometimes can be kind of a lonely spot. Uh, so uh, you appreciate uh, when you have uh, folks like that that uh, you can uh, confide in. Yeah, you always need people in the game who uh, you know can can give you advice or just kind of. Uh, be a voice of reason sometimes, especially if you're in a, a high pressure situation. But um, great to hear that you've had people at all stops of your career, and uh, you know, kind of channeling all that advice and everything you learned in your career now in, into uh, into a conversation with someone looking to get into the game and follow a similar path. Uh, what's one final piece of advice that you would give someone in hopes that they'd be successful in business and hockey operations? Well, I, I think um, uh, the first thing is to be able to put your, and it's not always easily uh, done, but uh, to put yourself in a position where you can get your foot in the door. Uh, so there's a lot of kids coming out of, uh, again, sports management programs, or, you know, could be business background as well that want to get into sports. Um, but uh, uh, one, if you can get your foot in the door and prove that you're competent, you know, if you're bright, hardworking and honest, and uh, whatever role it is, it may not be the role that you really aspire to, but if you can get your foot in the door, uh, believe me, if, if, uh, uh, if you're competent uh, and uh, that will be recognized no matter what the role is, people will be willing to give you additional responsibility and you'll be able to grow within the organization and within the business. So I think that that's the best part of a uh, piece of advice I can give is again, once you get your foot in the door, uh, the people that uh, that uh, are competent, that deliver tasks on time uh, and correctly, the folks that can deliver revenue uh, to an organization, they're always going to have an opportunity to, uh, uh, to be employed and to grow in the business. So I think, uh, again, it's just getting your foot in the door and then taking that opportunity to, to prove what you can do and uh, the rest will look after itself. For sure. Uh, a great piece of advice. And that confidence goes so far. But, uh, you know, attention to detail, all these different things uh, encompassing that uh, that same thought process. So, uh, Brian, with that, I just want to thank you again for joining me on the podcast. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and, um, you know, knowing the people involved with Deacon and, and seeing how your team has been run thus far. I'm very excited to see uh, how that continues into the season. So best of luck to you in that. And I wish you all the best moving well, forward. Just if I could, just one more point before I go. go For sure. Relating back to that last question. Um, 16 years ago, I guess now, but uh, we hired Ryan Creeland at the ECHL office uh, as an intern. And um, uh, Scott Sabatino at that time was our uh, uh, senior vice president of administration and finance. He's the guy that really hired him. But, you know, I interviewed him and certainly agreed uh, with Ryan that he's a guy that we should bring on board. And he was finishing up his education at that time and then actually uh, continued and, and, and uh, you know, his, his master's degree after that. Came in as an intern, um, took on additional responsibility, was extremely good at everything that he did, bright, hardworking, detail-oriented, 
and over time took on uh, additional responsibilities, uh, different titles. And uh, when Scott left, um, uh, put him into that role at a very young age, and uh, he certainly embraced it, ran with it, was eager to learn all different areas of the business too. So, I mean, got his fingers into everything, whether it was the, the sales and marketing side of it, everything really until the last few years, uh, except for uh, uh, the hockey operations, and then came, came, came upon that perhaps a little bit later. Point being, there's a guy again who got his foot in the door, showed how competent he was, how hardworking he was, and is now commissioner of the league and very well respected, uh, not only across our league, but I think in hockey circles uh, uh, at all levels. So, uh, again, that's, a, I think, a glowing example of uh, what can be done uh, with, uh, with uh, the, the, the right opportunity. And certainly uh, uh, he's a glowing example of that. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, you know, very well respected and uh, attacked with the right mindset. So uh, for anybody listening, you know, that just kind of a, attack any position with with that mindset and you can be successful. And uh, who knows, maybe one day you'll be uh, president of a team like Brian. Again, Brian, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate the conversation and all the best moving forward here. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. One thing that fans within the game, hockey minds, and players can agree upon is that when done responsibly, there's nothing better at the end of the day than a cold beer that you enjoy for both its taste and its aroma. And this segment of the Hockey Minds podcast is brought to you by Kitty Vitty Brewery. You can visit their taproom now open seven days a week and their new retail location in St. John's, Newfoundland at 16 Harborview Avenue. If you're one of those people who are maybe looking for some more entertainment, somewhere to sit with friends, you can definitely check out their original location in Kitty Vitty, Newfoundland. Join the Kitty Vitty Craft Club at kittyvittybrewery.ca and give them a follow on social media to keep up to date on the latest brew news. If you're not from Newfoundland and not from the East Coast and you want to get involved, definitely follow them on social media and learn more about their beer, which is great for the casual beer drinking fan and also the beer enthusiasts. And stay tuned because who knows, maybe they'll find their way to get their beer to a location near you. Check out Kitty Vitty Brewery today for more information on their beer, clothing, and all things Kitty Vitty Brewery. I'd like to thank Brian for joining me on the podcast and talking about his career. I always love hearing about expansion teams, and with Brian at the helm, I'm sure that the Heartlanders will see success in year one. If you would like to get in touch with Brian to learn more about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or you can contact HockeyMindsPodcast at Outlook.com, and I can help make that connection for you. Tune in to our next episode to hear from another unique hockey mind, as we have an outstanding lineup of scouts, coaches, and more on tap for you in the coming weeks. Once again, I'd like to thank everyone for continually listening to the podcast, and be sure to check out our social media platforms, as well as our website, for more content moving forward. As always, stay safe, and all the best.